Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bam, bam, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tau I make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy Never think about the drop, never ever ever think about the drop Welcome to a sports fan. It is the MKT show. Holy smokes. Um, I've just watched the ashes. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. If you don't watch cricket, I'm so sorry that you don't. Um, also get some culture. I, I, I'm sorry that you lack culture. I, I'm, I'm not sorry that you don't understand it. Don't know what you're missing out on. That is a gentleman's game. Oh my goodness. What an incredible, incredible end to the Ashes second test at Lords, the home of cricket. Un-be-freaking-leavable. Um, going to talk about that. Going to talk about... Listen, Harry Kane's the biggest story for me going right now. Um, what I will do is I just... I'm waiting for a few transfers to unfold. There's still Declan Rice. Um, will he go to Arsenal? Won't he? I know, I know it says uh, Fabrizio and the guys are saying... They're basically working on payment terms. But listen, we've seen Chelsea and these big sides um, hijack these moves at the last minute, especially when there's delays like this. And we are into the new financial year, which means that Todd's dollar um, has opened up again. And he'd be happy to put 105, 106 mil um, into this year's books, I'm pretty sure, if it was Declan Rice. He's the right age profile. So let's see. Let's keep an eye on that. Um, And then what I'll do is I think on Thursday show, I'll start a kind of report card um, and I'll look into what makes elite sides uh, elite and who I think will um, win with their current squad, obviously, with everybody returning. Uh, Yesterday, um, I think everyone got back, 1st of July, and then they will all gather and it is nearly go time, pre-season, and then it unfolds. So I'll tell you why I think Harry Kane only has one choice both team-wise and what to do. And he's got to do it quite quickly. I would say even this week would be the time to do it. All right. Um, at MKT Inspires or MKT at the MKT Show if you want to get into the DMs. And I will answer those questions if you have them. If you have them. Um, also going to talk a little bit. Of, yeah, uh, we'll wrap up on the cricket. Um, so we'll talk Kane and the cricket. Um, just incredible. Uh, I want to talk about something that wasn't controversial, but has been turned into drama. And I think there's a reason they're doing that. Um, and the English team is doing that and the English media are doing that. We'll get into that. Hope you had a good weekend. Whatever you did, whoever you did it with. Um, I went to a friend's birthday before we get going on Saturday. Um, (laughs) it was fun. It was fun. I have, uh, the people I consider friends are big time characters, eh? Big time, big time comedians. These guys. Anyway, one of the things that came up, um, some of the guys listened to the podcast and they went to that ramshackle of a school in Hyde Park um, slash Inanda, and they said you shouldn't be calling the school's name out. Um, so if you don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I went to 
a certain school because they said I can't call the name out. But I went to a certain school, which costs a bloody fortune to go to, allegedly a private school. You look at their, you look at their facility, you start to wonder, you know, what's going on here. But I went to go watch a rugby game where the scoreboard didn't work and I addressed it. And they got a bit emotional because I said, at my school, and I don't own the school, but I just, I was, it was one of the schools I went to in my life. Um, there's four scoreboards that work all the time. So maybe you guys could invest some of your money if you're a private school. Listen, maybe some of the kids that are going to school aren't paying their fees. Listen, it, it costs about 200 grand to go to that school. So so maybe people aren't paying fees. That's why they can't afford to invest in a scoreboard that works. So I just thought I'd address that um, to the guys that go, went to the boys' school that has one of the worst school uniforms you've ever seen in your life, by the way. It's like a gold and blue blazer. Absolute shambles. And, and they've just bloody opened a new old boys' like building or whatever, which is very nice. I mean, by their standards, you, you know, I mean... St. John's one is much nicer, but anyway, whatever. I didn't go to St. John's. I don't have a, a dog in this fight. But maybe spend that money on a scoreboard that works so when we come and watch the rugby, we know how much you're losing by and how much time is left in the game if we want to go get a burrito. So, sorry, that, that, that one's a probably a little bit of an inside thing for a tiny little market of these guys that went to the school. But I had to address that because they're getting emotional that I'm saying at institutions that value themselves, if you're going to be a rugby school, if you're going to be a private school, bloody fix the scoreboard. And the one guy said to me, no, 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 the scoreboard was working. It was just that the timer wasn't working. I'm like, if the timer's not working, the scoreboard's not working. Because if you don't watch rugby, it's important to know, let's say, if you're going to run the ball from inside the 22 and there's 15 minutes left, I get it. But if it's 15, 13 and you're inside your own half, and maybe you would tactical kick in that situation, or if you get a penalty and there's 20 minutes left in the game, okay, go for touch, whatever, we've got the momentum. But if there's five minutes left in the game or three minutes left in the game, you maybe want to run the clock down by taking your full minute to kick the penalty, go for pole. So part of the rugby watching experience, if you haven't heard a bunch of old boys, yar brews they call them, is is thinking you know everything. Like, that's, that we love that. Or, or let me speak for myself, I love that as a schoolboy rugby fan, because no big deal. I was a half-decent kicker back in, my, back in the day myself, but, you know, I played rugby, so I get it, and I love being an armchair guy. You, you know, there's nobody who doesn't like a, yeah, should have passed it, bro. Should have dropped it. Spread it out wide. But if I don't even know the, all the dynamics at play, I can't give my expert opinion, which every old boy is, by the way, um, especially those of us that once donned uh, a first-team jersey at these schools. So the timer not working, the, the whole scoreboard might not be working. It, it's baby and bathwater stuff. Don't tell me the score's working, but the timer's not working, so the scoreboard's working. But it tells you some institutions are ramshackle, some are elite, and there's, there's really three or four schools in South Africa you want to be at. This is not one of them. Because if you can't fix the scoreboard, what are you doing? You know, how are you going to raise a young man we can send into society and go, all right, they've got all their bases covered. These people can't even fix the scoreboard. So I didn't name the school, but it is in Hyde Park. 
Uh, it is in Inanda, and they do wear blue and gold um, as their as their uniform for the normal kids. I, I never got a white blazer, so I was I got nowhere near a white blazer. Um, my school, black and white, obviously classic. You know, setting setting the bar, <laughs> setting the bar. This institution can't even fix the scoreboard. All right, well, glad we addressed that. And by the way, if you go to a school and you have a scoreboard and it's Manual, different story. If it's electronic, it must work. Stuff must work. Especially if people are paying 2,000 Rand to go to a school. But I'm starting to think they're having financial problems. I think people aren't paying their school fees at this certain institution in Hyde Park. Otherwise, I would imagine they'd fix the scoreboard. Thought I'd address that. Second thing I want to address, test cricket's king, hey? I mean, we'll talk about England and their loss and their and the drama with Bester. Well, not drama, the situation. But Test cricket's king. Um, you don't need to embellish with Test cricket like you do with the other things. You don't need fireworks. You don't need. All you need is you just let it bake two, three days, and once you get into a proper Test match at the international level, which is so rare now because very few of the top guys care about test cricket and there's there's no tours now um and, and very few of these guys have the range to play all three formats they just do not um i.e harry brook you know there used to be a time where one day and test cricket there would be tours in order to play sort of three four day games on your tour in order to get into test mode from one day mode obviously that's changed because every 15 minutes there's a t20 game and that, that complicates things. That is what it is. Listen, I'm not saying don't enjoy T20 cricket. I, I really, I can't watch it. Um, and those of you who enjoy it, whatever, all the best to you. They don't need to stop T20 cricket for me to enjoy Test cricket, right? Having said that, I don't think Test cricket's going to last too much longer. I just don't. I don't see how it does um, in this world where everything is about clips and highlights and, and all of that. Although, actually... I've been having a hard look at content and long form is back in a big way, whether it's audio uh, or video. But anyway, for a different conversation, Test Cricket's king, man. It doesn't need bells and whistles. And the Ashes second test showed you why. It's got all the drama. It's got, it, it's just got natural drama infused into it, right? If, if you allow something to happen over that much time, inevitably the narratives will draw themselves out and what's you know what's kind of cool about test cricket is is that it's the ultimate elitist sport so what that creates right is tremendous money around the proper stuff so australia i can't really watch india yet they need to get the the broadcast right but whenever a test is in australia um, and england because it's so elitist they put a lot of money into it the broadcast is fantastic um, i don't listen to commentary but but just how it looks is amazing and then they protect it right the ovals are beautiful um the wickets are great and then the rest of it i mean you you saw if, if you didn't watch at lords go and watch the highlights it's just it's pristine and takes you back to whether romantic days existed or not I, I just i really really like that they've protected it in england and cricket still has an elite high level place to live because i'm not big on everything should be for everyone I'm not, by the way. I'm I'm really not 
um, in the Socratic sense, I don't know how great democracy is for everyone. Like, I don't want everyone in, you know, as Socrates, as the great Socrates said, not the Brazilian soccer player, but the Greek guy, very, very old guy is, he was, he was highly dubious of democracy and whether it should be one man, one vote, right? I don't think everybody should be allowed into every space. Like, if you don't know the rules and if you're not willing to bend to the rules, get out. That's what I love about Test Cricket. And I kind of, in some world, wish there was a way to fund to fund it without it growing commercially. Because Test Cricket's nice. It's for those that are into it. It's coffee for coffee makers, you, you know. So it's the one version of a sport, I think, much like baseball, where you've got to be into it, otherwise it's not really something that's fun. You know, it's, it's highly technical, it's super complicated. Uh, there's all of these, much like society, right, is there's all of these unwritten rules to actually get into it. Uh, you, you would have heard spirit of the game if you get into it. Like if you're not into cricket, you, you have no idea what that meant. Like, okay, he's out of his crease. I thought if he hit the wickets, he's out, which is what happened. But then there's just so many layers to this old game. Um, and quite frankly, this elitist game, you, you know, elite, elitists will always put rules um, to sort of bar people from getting in. And, and only they know the rules. So I love that about Test Cricket. And I'm not going to apologize uh, about that. Is cricket, Test Cricket's amazing purely because it's not accessible to anybody, to everybody, which which means you can preserve it. It's kind of like why Augusta don't just let, they don't let celebrities in, you know? It's just those, them boys down there in Georgia, right? Them billionaires. They're, they're, like, they're not taking money from the Saudis, <laughs> you know? It's the billionaire dudes. It's like George Bush. I think Condoleezza Rice was like one of the first women to ever be allowed into, the, the, into Augusta, by the way, which is absolutely wild um but i kind of get it man i kind of get it like as we move into this like let everyone in society there's something within me that says not everything's for everyone because the problem with most people is they don't want to stick to the rules like i resent people who think everywhere they go they should be able to express themselves no you shouldn't you know you should not be able to express yourself. In fact, society should warp how you behave in different spaces. Just as, let me give you an example. You don't talk to your grandmother the same way you talk to your best friends because you attenuate for our societal archetypes, right? And, I, and I'm big on that. I'm big on that. I really, really like it. Now, a lot of people might say, hey, it's a bit elitist. I say, there are parts of me that are, you know? I think if you're not going to take the time to learn the rules and play by them, because this idea that everything has to break down to, to fit new people's narratives is bloody nonsense. There are some things that are built on solid principles where if you just learn the rules, get in the mix. But if you don't learn the rules, and, and it, it, you, you know, that'll hit a nerve with some people, but... But some, some spaces aren't for everyone. They're just not. They're just not. And I get it. You know, I, <laughs> like, it's a tricky one because I am, I am black, you know. So it comes with idiosyncrasy of, oh, my goodness, we weren't allowed in certain places. I don't mean that. 
but I kind of get like old boys clubs, you know, like I get it. I get it. Do I do I agree with all of it? Maybe not, but but I get why. The more I interact with people, the more I interact. It's like I get why boys schools are boys schools and why they work. <laughs> you know, now you might say I'm. It's because I'm the beneficiary of one, so I'm biased. Perhaps it, it, it leans into my personality. You know, I get why CEOs don't change, corporates don't change. These big wealthy corporates. Employ Harvard guys, Oxford guys. <laughs> you know, I, I get it. I totally get it. And I think Test Cricket feels like that to me. And long may that go on. Long may that positive... <laughs> well, that positive um, elitism go on. Yeah, I, I, it's, I think it's a... Test Cricket's definitely a case of positive exclusion. Because I do believe in positive exclusion, by the way. Yeah? Like, if you ain't going to play by the rules... If you ain't going to learn the rules, get the hell out. Get the hell out. Loving it. Test cricket is king, man. What a be- what a gift. What a gift. At MKT Inspires, your thoughts. Do you watch cricket? Um, do you like T20 cricket? Do you like test cricket? Have you ever watched cricket? Um, why don't you like cricket if you don't like cricket? If you're from, for lack of a better term, the Commonwealth States, because... People get also touchy about that word, but that's what they call it, Commonwealth sports. Sports that are non-American are referred to in the generic sense as Commonwealth sports. If you are born in the Commonwealth, and largely speaking are male, like, I don't know, I don't really know how fast society is moving, because I, I live in a bubble. So maybe there's a lot of ladies into cricket. I know there are ladies in the mix now, and there's women's cricket and, and stuff. To be honest, I haven't gotten into it. I know Australia, Australia are sensational. Um, they whipped England, by the way, in the ladies' ashes test, I think. Um, I saw a result somewhere on, on Crick Info. But if you live in the Commonwealth, why don't you watch cricket? I, I, like, I don't understand it. It's such an incredible game. Again, if you're from the middle class, I guess, you know, why don't you watch cricket? I, it's, it's just such a fascinating gift. It's a gift. And then the best version of it is test cricket. Bye, but, you know, let me know. At MKT Spice, slide in the DMs. Instagram, I, I only really answer Instagram and emails. MKT at the MKT show.com. Why don't you watch cricket? Would you watch it if maybe your partner watched it? Presuming here you're a woman and he's a man. You know? Um, have you ever been to a test match? We don't play much in South Africa anymore, but depending where you are in the world, have you ever been to a test match in your life? Trust me, you should do it. It's electric. It's the best. All right, let's get into the show. Harry, Harry Kane. Uh, big news with Harry Kane. Bayern Munich are still in for him. And Harry Kane's in a bit of a situation, hey? Um He's in a bit of a situation. Uh, let me put it like this. Do you know anyone who stayed in a relationship to protect someone else, whether their feelings or you just know the family too well and you're stuck in the relationship now? Or what are my parents going to say? Or maybe that person lacks self-confidence, you know? And some people just, like, don't think they can do better. This is a real thing in life. I'm, I'm sure we've all seen somebody where you're like, what the 
hell is she still doing with him? What is he doing with her? He's like, he's turned his life around. He's making whatever money now. You know, he's such a kind person and she's just a wet blanket or, or he's just, he's so rude to her in public or he just drinks so much and like she's so nice. Her family's so nice, this guy's a write-off. I'm sure we've all been there, but we don't we don't get to see uh, what's going on in their bedroom. You know, um, you've got to be very careful. Because some people also, until you know what comforts them, some people are just seeking comfort, you know. Some people are just seeking comfort. Some people are creatures of comfort. It's like, oh, well, she's she's fine. She, she doesn't question me. I'm getting a little bit fat. Um, you know, I drink maybe drink a little bit too much and I'm quite rude to her family. But she doesn't really kick up a fuss. Like, she just deals with it. Cool. It's comfortable. I understand it. Change is difficult. I feel like that's Harry Kane feel like Harry Kane's in in that mix. I think he lacks self-confidence in some way or another. Because here's the reality. Um, Harry Kane's going to be Alan Shearer. That's who he's going to be. Um, he's going to be a good goal scorer. Great goal scorer. Great goal scorer. But he's not going to be considered a great player because in order to be great, to separate yourself from the rest, there's something you've got to do. It's called winning. Because football, at the end of the day, is a team sport. It doesn't matter, in the end, how good you are as an individual. Th that makes you for the streets, as the kids say, you know? Like the streets football, Adel Tarabt, Mario Balotelli, you know? These are, these are the guys, Dimitri Payet, Paul Pogba. They don't really win. But when you win five, six titles, and you're talented... Imagine if Paul Pogba had six Premier League titles with his disposition. Then we're talking a different story. You know, Andrea Perlo is great because he's got a World Cup <laughs> and Champions League titles. Harry Kane's Alan Shearer. Great goal scorer, but meh. Because here's the problem. Erling Haaland's here now. Now you're not even Erling Haaland. And Haaland could leave tomorrow. And people are going to remember Erling Haaland and not Harry Kane. He's got a greater legacy already. And legacy matters to men. Don't let men lie to you. It matters. Men want credit. Believe you me. If I'm Harry Kane, there is only one option. Like I spoke about it a couple of podcasts ago. But now it's really, now it's really time because the stars are aligning. Firstly, fire your brother. Like, that, that is important. Fire your brother as an agent. He needs to go. But you have to force the move to Chelsea now. And I'm not saying Chelsea because I'm a, I'm a Chelsea fan. It's his last option left in England. He can't go to Bayern Munich. He wants, the, he wants the, that goal-scoring record. Because the only places to be if you want to win within the next five years are Man City, Chelsea, or Liverpool. Maybe Newcastle. Because Newcastle are ascending, but Harry Kane doesn't have four years to wait. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like Erling Haaland's got all the time in the world. Harry Kane does not have four years to wait until Eddie Howe's been fired and then they get another three or four squad rotations. The only place that's 
absolutely ready to win is Man City. Liverpool, perhaps. And certainly Chelsea. I mean, if Chelsea had a striker last season, we're talking top three, top two. If they had a striker last season, Chelsea are right in the mix with, certainly with Arsenal. Probably not Man City. I mean, that, that they were outrageous. You saw the chances Chelsea were missing. But the problem is Man City have Haaland and then Julian Alvarez. Liverpool have Darwin Nunes, Gakpo. So they've, they've already purchased and committed to youngsters that are going to be... Harry Kane's not rotating. And you're not spending $100 million on Nunes to rotate him. Chelsea have Poch now. And the Chelsea project is set now. It's not like they're going to be moving six or seven people. The project is ready to go and it's ready to go now. Because they went and spent heavy last year, but they've now covered every single base. They've got a, a backup right back. They've got another left back in Kukurea who will settle in and his second season, maybe he'll be the Brighton guy. They've got Ben Chilwell there. They've got Buddy Ashill. Cole Will's coming back after a brilliant season at Brighton, right? Thiago Silva's still there. Fofana is still there. It's settled. All it needs is a number nine. Jackson's there and he can be a backup as Richarlison was. And Harry Kane can be the guy for two seasons. Because that's all Harry needs, right? Maybe Chelsea aren't ready to win next season. But you better be sure that if they don't win next season, you know Todd Bowley's going to invest another $400 million to get guys around you. He, he's already shown you what he's going to do. He's not mucking about. So the only place that's left that's ready to win right now, because Harry cannot afford to wait for Newcastle. Because Newcastle, let's face it, they are going to be top four now moving forward. I don't know if they are quite, like, I don't know if Callum Wilson's going to win it for you, you know? I, you probably need, th there's just too much surgery that has to happen to that squad. They probably need another left back. Is Trippier going to be the same? Because Trippier is brilliant at right back. Probably need another center back. Like, I like Shaw. Botman's brilliant. But can we maybe upgrade on Shaw? Could we do that? Who would they go and get? And then in the midfield, they look nice. It's Tonali, it's uh, Bruno Guimaraes. On the right wing, could I upgrade there? Will they go for Mbappe, by the way, next year? Because they can afford it. <laughs> Mbappe has shown it's not about winning for him. doesn't matter. He's all about money. Do not discount Newcastle for Mbappe. It sounds hysterical. But do not discount that winning is not important to uh, Mbappe. Otherwise, he would have left two seasons ago for Real Madrid. But Chelsea is perfect now. And the guy you know will worship you. Maurizio Pochettino is waiting now. And here's the great thing about when we get older in life. We don't like erraticism. So we know that it's not going to be erratic. Because Harry's going to get there. He's going to know exactly what's expected. And he knows he's going to be worshipped by the coach. So he'll have the runway this year. If not this year, doesn't matter. I know Todd's going to invest next year. Don't wait. Do not wait. Because if he waits and Nicholas Jackson hits it off at Chelsea this year, where does he go next season? Now, Man United have the money. But the problem with Man United is they just have too much to do. They probably need another three or four windows just to get rid of the rubbish. And then maybe another window to bring people in. United are five, six years away from winning. I know I said that five, six years ago and I was right. But it's been a decade of not winning now. And they've invested horribly, 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 my lord. 
the goal is to win, Harry. Get yourself to Chelsea now. And if not Chelsea, then obviously, listen, if the Bayern Munich thing's real, that, that's a sensational club to be at. Then get yourself to Bayern Munich. Go win a Champions League. Go win a Champions League. And maybe get yourself to Real Madrid. Because they, what are you going to do? Jose Lu is your striker. I wonder if Real Madrid, I was looking at the FFP um, earlier. It does not look good for them. It don't look good, bruv. But if they sell Chouameni, I'm, I'm hearing maybe Chelsea are in for Chouameni. That's 80 million. Array. Get yourself to Real Madrid, isn't it? If you're going to leave England. But if you're going to stay, there is only one place to go because Harry has to win and he has to win now. It's only Chelsea. Man City have Haaland and Liverpool have Nunez and Harry ain't doing rotation. Because also the great thing about Harry is even if he's injured or great and negative is even if he's injured, which he has become injury prone with those ankles now, he plays. <laughs> That's the thing about Harry Kane is he's playing through the pain. So there's no rotation with him. Don't think Nunez or Haaland are rotating. Well, Haaland, I mean, that's hysterical. And even then, Alvarez is sensational. And he can't go to Man United. There's just, there's just too much chaos there. And quite frankly, people think Chelsea's chaotic. It's very stable now. They've got the best uh, football directors in Europe in the last 10 years. The one guy was the Monaco guy who put together that team... Uh, with Bakayoko and Mbappe and all those guys. Inwin Stanley, right? And then the other guy put, well, you've seen Brighton. He put that together. Absolutely, absolutely crystal clear for Harry Kane where to go. And he's got to do it now. He, what he has to do is fire his brother. Right? I, I do not know what is going on there. Harry, come on, sign that. Come on, governor. So, listen, don't know what people did this weekend, you know, but odds are, you know, you promised you were going to take someone on a romantic brunch, but the lads shamed you into another one. You know what I mean? You're out, oh, come on, bro. You can have one more. Have another shot. Bro, you're taking an Uber home. Well, we never ever see you anymore. You work. But you're always working and you're always with your new chick. Now you're that guy. But you've promised her, oh, tomorrow we're definitely driving 45 minutes out to a restaurant she saw somewhere on the internet. And then you get home at four in the morning, smelling of booze. You slept on the couch. And now you're in no condition to go anywhere. Even if you go now, she's not keen. She's not keen. Because you're not going to be present. You're going to be hungover. And now it's problems. Now you're a terrible person. You know it'll make you feel better if you're listening to this on the couch. And maybe she's gone with, I don't know, she's probably invited her sister now. You know, screw him. He's on the couch. He doesn't care about me. Now you're feeling terrible. But you're listening to this show. You know it'll make you feel better. Go and give this show a five-star rating. I mean, that's not an instruction. It would be great for the show if you would do that. I'd highly appreciate it. And you'd feel better about yourself, even if for a second. It's like eating a chocolate, you know? If you're anxious and you eat something. Like people stress eat. It's not a thing for me, but I, I exercise when I'm, when I'm feeling a bit of tension. But some people stress eat. So think of this sort of hitting the right endorphins, uh, you know, neurologically for you. 
and you'll be a good person. Five star rating, wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave a leave a review. I still haven't seen any reviews. I, I I'd love to see people leave a review of the show. It would be nice to see what you think. By the way, loving the numbers. The show's doing really really nicely, and thanks for all the support. Do go and give us a rating, please, wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, let's get into the cricket. I mean, that was incredible at Laws, what happened there. Um, hey, you know what? I work in production a lot, or have in the in the last decade. Um, and, I'm, you know, I watch a lot of, I prefer more digital stuff. Um, I'm very bad at watching movies. I haven't watched a movie in a long, long, long time, to be honest with you. Jeez. Um, was it... Expendables. No, Expendable. I want to say Expendables. Is that the movie with uh, Marvel Comics? It was terrible. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my whole life. Um, I think it was called Expendables. Or oh, is that the... I don't know. Anyway, whatever. It was, it was terrible. I think that's the last full movie I watched. But whenever I see too much production now, I know people are trying to hide bad talent. When I see too much set... Uh, especially on TV shows, when I when I see too much glamour, too much makeup, too much this, too much that, then I know you're hiding the talent. You know, it's kind of like I don't know if you guys have seen these couples that um, post each other on social media. Whenever I see couples start posting each other on social media, I'm like, oh, that that relationship is five to falling off a cliff. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. Because generally, it's like, look over here while I'm doing this over here. Is If you're happy in your relationship, why are you telling us? Like, I get it if you're happy as an individual. Then I understand social media because, you know, social media and, and the selfie generation is about me, me, me. I get that. Why are you, show, why are you taking us into your relationship? We, we know relationships are complicated. If you're happy, great. Why are you telling us? Why are you trying to convince us you're happy? Like, if you're happy, amazing. It's fantastic. You want to show me your food, though. That's a different thing, you know. I get that. I don't get couples showing each other. But it's doing too much. You're hiding something. Whenever I see a couple on social media, I'm like, oh, putting that one on the clock. Johnny Besto's run out was exactly this, right? They started talking about the spirit of the game and the hoo-ha and that and the other so let's address the spirit of the game thing immediately. Here's my thing about Ben Stokes and these guys. So I, I want to read you Ben Stokes' quote. Unbelievable stuff. So apparently he said, so this is Ben Stokes. I'm not disputing the fact that it, it is out because it's out. If the shoe was on the other foot, I would have put pressure on the umpires and asked whether they had called over and had um, a deep think about the whole spirit of the game. And would I want to do something like that? For Australia, it was, a, it was the match-winning moment. Would I want to win a game in that manner? The answer for me is no. So if you didn't see it, and you're a classless, scummy person and don't watch cricket, what happened was the bo- it was a bouncer, the wicketkeeper caught it, and so in cricket, the umpire has to call, um, after six balls, it's called an over, and... Then the umpire says, over. That means the over is finished. And the umpires hadn't called this, and the, the ball was still what we call alive. 
And essentially, Johnny Besto thought the ball was dead anyway. Kerry threw the ball, which, I mean, he threw it immediately. It, it was big-time confusion. I don't want to confuse you with the rules. Anyway, it was out. It wasn't in bad spirit of the game. It wasn't. There are certain things that are that are against, you know, the spirit of the game. But this one wasn't. And he, he didn't kind of catch him out. And I actually watched a little bit of the broadcast. Besto had been walking out of his crease anyway. So Kerry, I think, had been keeping an eye and somebody had had a word with him. I think it was Ricky Ponting or Mark Taylor who pointed it out. So there was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't even outside the spirit of the game. Absolutely ridiculous. Because if it was about the spirit of the game, right? It's very easy to be sanctimonious if you behave in that way. But there was an edge from Stuart Broad earlier in this series. He's nearly hit it for six. He said it so hard. He's been caught at slip. And he hasn't walked. He hasn't walked. It was absolutely criminal. And Australia were out of review, so they couldn't even review it. But it was criminal. He's absolutely smashed the leather off this thing. Steve Smith, great catch. And he hasn't walked. It's easy enough for Ben Stokes once he's seen it, right? Like, he just leans over and tells Broad, hey, just get off the field. But he didn't do that. And there was no outrage from the English internally to go, well, that was against the spirit of the game. Because I've seen Adam Gilchrist walk, by the way. The great Adam Gilchrist used to walk. I'll never forget a test match against South Africa. He edged one. Boucher claimed he'd caught it. And by the way, Boucher didn't catch it. And Gilchrist didn't wait for the third umpire. He said, mate, did you catch it? Boucher said, yes. It wasn't out. By the way, I'll never forget it. But Gilchrist walked. Like, all he needed was, okay, mate, if you say you caught it, cool. Spirit of the game. I'm out of here. But interestingly, Stuart Broad and Ben Stokes didn't. And they didn't create a furor about it. Nobody in England even said, oh, the spirit of the game, we, we as the English would like to be seen in this way. No, nobody said that. Because th this is what's dangerous about when you, when you deal in outcomes-based thinking and not the process. If you're about the spirit of the game, Stuart Broad and all of England, like Ben Stokes, Brenda McCullum, there should be a dictum within the team that we walk here, guys. Right? We don't man-cat. That's if you stump the guy and he's backing up, by the way. If you're not backing up as your classless scum, get yourself into some cricket. So you should have that edict within the team ethos. If you nick, you walk. It's in the spirit of the game. Because once you start deciding what the spirit of the game is, then I know there's bigger problems. And I think the bigger problem is baseball is all sizzle and no steak. Last five series have been India 2-2 draw, and they're now 0-2 down to Oz in the Ashes. The other stuff against New Zealand, South Africa, New Zealand at home, Ireland at home, come on. Of course you're gonna, you should win that. Anytime they've faced any quality, they've struggled. They drew in India, they drew at home, and now they're 2-0 down. The problem isn't the spirit of the game. The problem is England are feeling the pressure against quality. As a test team, they are poor. That top five is hysterical. Listen, people love Ben Stokes, right? Because he's a YouTube highlight reel. 
But I'm sorry if your number five is averaging 33 runs in test match cricket. You're embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. And you know what the thing about quality, or in South Africa we call it the real McCoy. It's the real McCoy, isn't it? Quality exposes your flaws. You, you, you know, you ever been in a room where an extremely good-looking woman walks in the room? You feel how it changes the temperature of the room. And now your girlfriend's awkward. And, and immediately, I don't know if you've been in a situation where women just start letting off. Like, I bet you she's... And fill in word here. I bet you she's a... And you can fill in the word here. Because when there is a thoroughbred in the room... It changes, it exposes your flaws. For, for men, if a good-looking guy comes in, uh, if a man who looks after himself comes in and he's better looking than us, inevitably guys are going to say whatever it may be. Because quality exposes your flaws. And then, you know what happens with all of us, by the way? When we don't want to take responsibility for it, we are, we lash out, we project. And that's what England are doing. Spirit of the game, it's got nothing to do with that. Australia are bowling best out anyway. They're winning. They're winning this game. That's not what should worry you. The spirit of the game thing and Besto being dismissed in that way shouldn't worry you. It's, that, that, that should be the last of your concerns. What should really worry you is that you were easily beaten and Manus Labouchain hasn't fired this test series at all. At all. He's the second best batsman in the world, according to ICC rankings. I think he's the best batsman in the world. Manus Labushain has not featured in the series at all. That should worry you how easily they've beaten you without their, the creme de la creme, right? Their guy doing his thing. What happens if Labushain catches fire? That should terrify England. But even worse, even worse, there's, there's another, there's a double whammy. By the way, they've been beaten by 10 men. And if you don't watch cricket because you're classless scum, is that an, a spinner is huge in the second innings, right? Day four and day five. Nathan Lyon is injured. It was 10 men for, yeah, all-seam attack. So you've lost an all-seam attack on a dead pitch. That was a dead pitch. That, that Lord's pitch was doing absolutely nothing. And Harry Brook is playing ridiculous shots to get out, Right? Nathan Lyon, the best man in the world, is out. And they don't have their best bowler. They've rotated their best bowler in Scotty Bowland. So you've lost to what I think is their second best seam lineup. But now they've lost the, the sort of arch nemesis for everybody is a spinner on day four and five. And you've lost easily, by the way. You've lost before T on day five. That's what should be worrying England. Not about the spirit of the game. Well, forget about that. That's a complete and utter tosh. He's out. Besto's out. I don't know why he's walking out his crease. That's not the worrying part. So I don't know why they're highlighting that. And not saying, my God, our top six is embarrassing. It is embarrassing that Ben Stokes averages 35 at number five in test cricket. And I know, listen, the counter here will be, he, he but he's, He's got so many great moments. He doesn't actually. He's got like three or four great moments. Right? 
So it's just relax. Like, you know, there's lots of great moments. <laughs> Ricky Ponting, Steve Waugh, Adam Gilchrist. These are people over 12 years who won three World Cups. Like, Ben Stokes has three, two great moments. What was it? Edgbaston 2019 and then the World Cup, which is cool. Like, that's big, right? But it's not like he's got this catalog of 10 years. Because I can show you Ricky Ponting. I was there at the World Cup final. I was, I was watching when he was demolishing England teams in Australia and in England. I was there when they were beating South Africa 5-0 here. 45 tons. Like, sorry, Ben Stokes has like 1,300s, by the way. And you mustn't confuse exciting for great. What Ben Stokes is, he's exciting. So every 30 innings, right, Ben Stokes does something amazing. So it feels incredible. And also there's, there's a slight side term, the polarity of the mediocrity of England versus his brilliance in like every 30 innings, by the way. And, and maybe even more, like every 50 innings, because he doesn't do this all the time. If he did, he wouldn't only have 12 test hundreds. He would have 35 test hundreds because he had a long career. I think he's played 100 and whatever tests. I mean, let, let me have a look. I hadn't looked this up, but let me see how many tests Ben Stokes has, pl has played. Use my Sam Samsung um, S22 Ultra, which isn't the phone. It's an S22 Ultra, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm going to have a look here, how many tests. So he's played 93 test matches, has Ben Stokes. Let's have a look how many hundreds he's got. I think it's 12 test hundreds. Like, that's not good enough. Not at number five. I'm sorry. That's not going to work. And I know people lean into the fact that he's exciting and because all they remember is the three or four great moments. I'm sorry, at number five, you should be averaging 48 and upwards. And that's why England are upset. You know why they're upset? Because they're a bad cricket team. And now they're looking for every excuse to cover that up because they're feeling the pressure. I said, listen, I analyzed it before the series. I said they were going to lose 4-1 if you listen to the podcast um, a couple of podcasts ago. Because they've only got one X-Factor guy, which is Joe Root. Right? Anderson's always been mediocre. You can't average 28 and have me call you world class. I, I've been watching cricket my whole life. I'm not giving you a longevity prize. Broad's always been mediocre. He's, Broad's never gotten worse or better. He's always just been a mediocre guy. And he's always just going to average sort of 30, 30. And that's it. But now Anderson's mediocre and now he's old. And Broad's mediocre and now he's old. So they don't have that little bit of juice to be able to go in the second or third spell anymore. Broad's just a show pony. And listen, I quite like the role that Broad plays because he's embraced it, right? He's, he's going to give it. He takes it. Cool. That's what he's going to do. So he must be willing to take it. And him being sanctimonious is hysterical because if you're not going to walk for your neck, I'm, I'm not having you being Mr. Pius. But it had nothing to do with the spirit of the game. What you are seeing is a team unraveling under the pressure of being exposed by quality. Just as when you drive home and you saw a beautiful girl who's in shape, looks after her skin, your girlfriend will go, yeah, but she seems like a bit of a fill-in word here. That's got nothing to do with that girl. It's exposing your lady's flaws. And she doesn't like that. People are insecure. 
And when you get the real McCoy, which Australia are, they expose everything you are, and what England are, are a mediocre cricket team. And that's not great to hear, because it's all sizzle. You know, most people who are all sizzle, no stake, all show, that's exactly what England are. And they're being exposed. They're being exposed. That's what's upsetting England. Not the spirit of the game. Love to know what you think. At MKT Inspires, I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm buying the spirit of the game. Listen, Besto's been crap for a year now. Like, drop the guy. He can't even keep. Also, Johnny Besto, maybe get in shape. Different subject. Though. He's a bit of a chunky lad, isn't he? Like, come on, Johnny. What are you doing? What are we doing there, son? What are we doing? At MKT Inspires, let me know. Let me know your thoughts. All right. Let's quickly get into the um, mailbag. Um, this one's from Brett. Brett Duplessis. It's Duplessis, but I think it's funny if I say Duplessis. You know, anglicize it. So Brett's got two questions. Brett, I will answer your second one. It's a bit longer. I might do it on Thursday on another show. Um, but let me answer his first question. Uh, Brett Duplessis says, question for the mailbag. Best... Uh, well, the one question he's asking is best match day squad for the Springboks uh, that they could pick at the moment. I'll answer that another time because I actually have to put some work into that one. I love those kind of things. So, Brett, I will do that either on Thursday or, or soon. Maybe I'll do it leading up to the rugby on the weekend. But he said, also, if you could add how you think the Rugby World Cup will go down. So I'll, I'll answer that second one quite quickly. Brett, I have, to be honest with you, I have no respect for Northern Hemisphere rugby. Um, I think England, England have had their time. You know, they, they really struck lightning in a bottle where they had committed players with a committed leader uh, in Sir Clive Woodward. Uh, it's very, very rare in life where you get committed soldiers and committed um, generals. It, it's just nearly, nearly impossible to find. That England 99 to 2003, that whole setup, um, you know, Jason Leonard, Steve Thompson, Phil Vickery, and then the great Martin Johnson, Ben Kay, uh, you know, Lawrence Delalio, Neil Back. Uh, th that team is, I mean, as I list those names off, you're talking about the creme de la creme in the history of rugby. Johnny Wilkinson, Dawson, you know, Will Greenwood, Jason Robinson. These are high, Ben Cohen, you know. These are high level pros. These are uh, Ian. Who was who was at fullback in the final? Ian Balshaw, hey, it's Balshaw at, at fullback. I mean, it's a great team. My cat, he was okay, but but it was a team of legends around him. So he, he was a good stabilizing factor, solid solid inside twelve, right? So I have no respect for Northern Hemisphere rugby, bro. I never have um, until they purely because New Zealand and South Africa are the only countries in the world that take rugby seriously. I think. Like, we've got the best schoolboy rugby in the world, and it is in our culture, and ipso facto, so did New Zealand. So ipso facto, then, they are going to be the best, right? With a, there's a reason why we've both got three World Cups and everyone else is mucking about, and Australia. The Southern Hemisphere produces a, a different kind of athlete, and, I mean, I've read all sorts of studies about weather, um, space, etc., which is why our youngsters are just better athletes. And if you look at these Northern Hemisphere teams, where do all the athletes come from? 
There's Labas Gachnis and Fana Marvas in the Ireland team, in the Scotland team. Duan Fana Marva plays for Scotland. There's a reason for that. Right? Iron sharpens iron. We've got we've got 15 schools in South Africa that take rugby more seriously than even the French national team at school level. So that's going to breed a certain level of athlete. Whenever South Africa gets serious about rugby, right, we win. Whenever New Zealand gets serious about rugby, they win. So the problem for Ireland and France is they are where New Zealand were 15 years ago. All right, as they're evolving, what they're going to learn quite quickly is it doesn't matter how you play between World Cups, but, but this is a maturation process that you have to go through and feel the pain is that they need to understand that New Zealand and South Africa have figured out who cares how you play between World Cups. It's about the big dance. Right, New Zealand, remember, they made that mistake. New Zealand made that mistake from 98 until, I would say, 2008. And then they got serious. After 2007, where they got cheated, then they got serious. Wayne Barnes cheating at the All Blacks is one of the worst things that's ever happened to humanity. Because I'll never forget Richie McCaw coming into that interview, giving it the... Whew, that was a tough loss. One penalty against France. They got cheated, royally cheated by Wayne Barnes and the French producers. But after that, they decided never again. Great Sir Graham Henry decided never again. And then they went and built it. Remember, they gave McCaw the sabbatical. They gave McCarter the sabbatical. They built everything for 2011. And it was good night nurse. Stephen Donald shout out. But 2015. It's pointless peaking before, between World Cups. France don't know that. Ireland don't know that. England are a joke. Those are only two threats, right? Everyone's, everyone's thinking Ireland and France. But ultimately, none of those teams have the firepower to stop South Africa and New Zealand. So South Africa or New Zealand will win the World Cup. That's just how it goes. Not because I'm biased, but because I've watched it. And Ireland and France have peaked between World Cups, which is not interesting to me. And quite frankly, what have they got? A little bit of toughness. Like, and Tamak, are you for real? Let's find out. Everyone loves Dupont. Everyone loves DuPont. Let's find out. You've never done anything before at the world level. Heineken Cup rugby is a joke. You know that. I know that. All of that Northern Hemisphere stuff is where our Southern Hemisphere guys go and retire, right? And our guys go and retire, and they're still the bad boys over there. <laughs> they, they become legends there. So let's see. I want to I see whether Tamak's real. Because he's playing against jokers up there. But now the All Blacks have six or seven of what you think are animals. The, the cast-offs from New Zealand, the cast-offs from South Africa, those are the guys we don't want. Remember when Duan van der came back, played for the uh, British Lions in lockdown? All that talk. <laughs> Cheslin said, relax, buddy. We see you in high school. He was a cast-off. Go play for Scotland. We don't need you here. Cheslin said, no, come on, pa. It, in fact, Duan van der was a non-factor because in South Africa, he's just another rugby player. To them, he's a 100-kilogram monster with pace. And we're like, bro, we produce six of you every year. Paul Khim, Paul Roos, Grey Bloom. You know what I mean? Cares. These, these great institutions that churn people out. Weinberg. Hilton, Kersney. We're producing rugby players, right? 
at the highest level every single year. They're calling it a golden generation. They haven't even done anything. They haven't done anything. We, like, what they're doing is, as South Africa and as New Zealand, remember, what makes people successful? And remember, I was talking about the elitism earlier. What makes elite institutions successful? It's not about the ceiling. It's not about what you're capable of at your highest. It's what are you at your worst? How high is the floor? Right? You'll often hear these great thinkers and sort of entrepreneurs. They say, you've got to lift, lift the floor of your organization, not the roof. That'll take care of itself. If you, if you put good structures with clever people, you should win. <laughs> right? Put talent and money in the same place for long enough with the right structures. You should win. So for them, their ceiling is still exciting to them. Their ceiling is our floor. Right? Because to New Zealand and South Africa, when you go to a World Cup, and I just believe when great people have to win, they win. When we go to a World Cup and we don't win, it is a catastrophe. To them, if they win, it will be like the end of the world. For us, is it's expected. For New Zealand, when they go to the World Cup now, oh no, we expect it to win. For us, we go to the World Cup, oh no, we're just defending it. It's our fourth one. Right, now what? when are we winning again? I think their floor is too low. I just do. I, I just, I don't take Northern Hemisphere rugby seriously. I just do not. Until somebody gives me a reason to take it seriously, I will take it seriously. The anomaly is not the rule. Are you aware that only one Northern Hemisphere rugby, is ever, uh, uh, Northern Hemisphere rugby team has ever won the World Cup? It's England. It's 03. We're talking since 1987. We, we came out of apartheid and still won the Rugby World Cup. And people are saying, by the way, our 95 side, people are saying if we were in a 91, we win it. With Dani Gerber and all those guys. They're saying that's our best team ever. I, I, now, I don't know. People are saying 87, we would have won that. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether that's true or not. I'm just telling you what the old heads are saying. We've got three World Cups. People mustn't play with that. Don't play with that. We've got continuity. We've got expectations. We've got, we've got a team in their prime in South Africa. I, honestly, honestly speaking... I don't know why people are worried about Ninaba and his record now. Like, I'm just not interested in how we play between World Cups. Like, win some, lose some, just try stuff. But I need us to peak in the friendlies before, in the group stages. I don't, I don't want to peak now. I, don't, I, don't want to, I also don't want to reveal my, all of my rugby and my plans now. Like, we're involved. We understand it. You know what I mean? Like, forget about it. Who cares what the record is? We know, we know what the goal is. The goal is to win the World Cup, not to win the Rugby Championship. Who cares? In a World Cup year, who cares? Get your combinations right. Figure out your depth. That's it. That's all I care about now. Let's put, I mean, I don't rate him, but Mani Libok. Let's put him under pressure. Get him kicking test points against New Zealand and Australia when, when he's under the proper pump, not URC. This is the real thing now. You play in a Springbok jersey, we don't have time for, you're growing. Like, step up and you need to learn. Is Elton still the guy? Should we need him to kick penalties in the last 15 minutes of games? To territorially kick? That's what we should be figuring out. The All Blacks are fine. They've got a plan, a great system. Um, it's not their greatest team, but they've got great systems and, and just, they're the All Blacks.
They just are the All Blacks. So those are my thoughts. My thoughts are on New Zealand or South Africa, easily as well. I, I don't see anybody else being a threat. I don't rate France. What's their thing? Passion. Passion doesn't, passion doesn't pay the bills, as a friend of mine says. Name a position where they're better than us. Like, and they're not going to out-physical us. Like, we nearly beat France with 14 men with their full team. Not so long ago. Just a year ago. With our B team, by the way. No Lucanio Am. And, you know, I'm not worried about those guys at all. What the Six Nations do is sell a great product. It's nice to watch. The narrative is great. But they're great against the mediocre selves. Let's see when the big dogs come. Let's see what you're going to do then. What was it? Uh, what was that great baseball saying? Coward, uh, uh, pressure makes cowards of all of us. Here we go. Let's see. Are you going to beat the All Blacks in? I don't know how the round robin works, but it's. Are you going to beat the All Blacks in the semi final? Are you going to do that? And this is not the old All Blacks. This is this All Blacks now. Are you going to beat the Springboks when they're mauling you 30 times a game? Are you going to be able to hold up when the pressure's on and you're seven points down at home? What then? Because they don't face that all the time. You must remember, playing them is, is nothing for us. It's their World Cup final. So those teams are going to end up playing two or three World Cup finals, playing us, playing Australia. Australia is another country, two... Two World Cups. The Southern Hemisphere, we're different down here, man. We're different. We're different athletes. And also, the honest truth is, we're savages. New Zealand, Australia, South Africa. I, I mean, I don't want to start sort of going too far off the reservation here, but purely even because of the history of the types of people they sent down here, you know, we're savages. South African rugby is for savages. This is not a place to play. I remember, I'll tell you a quick story. I remember I did an exchange uh, at a British school for six months and I played rugby there. They thought I was like Daniel Carter. I was like, oh my God, you guys are terrible. They're terrible athletes. Terrible. Horrendous athletes for rugby. It was weird. And I, I was like mediocre, like just good enough to be in the first team for two years. Nothing special. Shout out Preston Momsen, by the way. <laughs> SA schools fly off. Incredible. Best, one of the best high school athletes I've ever seen. Had him at Inside Center. Makes a world of difference. <laughs> a world of difference. That guy, Preston Momsen, played for Scotland cricket, played SA schools cricket. Uh, uh, SA school cricket and SA schools rugby. Ended up playing for Scotland cricket. Unbelievable athlete, that guy. Shout out to him. Made my job a lot easier. Made me look good. Those are the types of guys we're producing constantly. All right, let's move on to the second question. Um, it is good old cat dog, Katleho. This one's a bit of a, it's a bit of a doozy. It's not your regular sports question, right? So let me answer. I'm going to try and answer this one. I gave it a little bit of thought. <laughs> it says, hey... <laughs> For your next mailbag, please chat about the future of Instagram baddies. <laughs> in brackets, he says, those girls on Instagram who are in so much makeup and always posing naked. And the impact they have on how ad adolescent men value girls. Now, this one's a, it's a hot potato. But, but let me give it a go. 
let me give it a go because that that one's a deeply philosophical one from Katlego of cat dog listen man it's it's a tricky one because it it involves a few dimensions right uh, number one what is the social compact uh, that we have between men and women is there one do we understand it you know but what it does do is it probes probably the most most interesting thing in what is a commodified society right everything is commodified rightly or wrongly that's a question i'll let you debate with you and your uncle black you can argue with your uncle whether the commodification of the very human you are is good for you or bad for you like i have thoughts but that's not the question but what it does is it it touches on the most interesting dynamic in the history of society is power right as we move from what has been labeled a, a patriarchal society and women are are being introduced into the workplace into society and cauldrons they've never been in it's very very interesting how that power is offered to those women because what we've seen in history is that power is offered through a certain lens if you're margaret thatcher and you espouse male characteristics as a woman we will imbibe you right if you are a woman and you want to bring touchy-feely that ain't gonna work you need angela merkel you know dreary uh over overwhelming you know no emotion now angela merkel's one of my heroes but she was offered power through a certain lens right and this is something you need to question i guess is who decides what makes women valuable you know so that's one thing i would say is how a woman offered power and that's not for me to answer because i think it's far more complex than just saying they're offered in, in my eyes they are offered power through the lens of the masculine view right so that's going to look masculine so part of that most men are attracted to women and let's face it women in the western history have been largely sit in your place and you're commodified and again what is beauty who decides that largely speaking men right or wrong i'm just telling you what it is so the impact on how adolescent man, men will value girls is interesting right is what what are they being educated women are for do women owe anything to these young men in their minds do women owe you their sexuality do you have power or dominion over them um and i think it is an interesting way to go because if women are only being offered if your only value as a woman is your aesthetic which again is the masculine lens right we employ better looking women we give reverence to them they're on we put them on magazine covers now 
I'm not going to say I'm not in that. I'm in there. If you're an attractive woman, you have my attention. I, I don't want to say I'm better than anyone. I, I'm not even better than these adolescent men, um, which you're asking. But what it becomes interesting is, is that all you value? And by the way, in a world where you can just scroll, which is what I think Katlego is asking about, is, you know, there's a great book that I encourage everyone to read. It's called The Paradox of Choice by a guy called Barry Schwartz. You know, we tend to, in a world of ever-growing choices, think more choice is better. But actually, the more choice leads to, to uh, a decreasing quality of decision, right? And the this paradox of choice leads to too many choices, makes it stressful to make all these choices from this myriad of options. Ipso facto, I'm actually immunized and immobilized and I can't make any choice in the end and I end up letting the world make the choice for me and which we know right that's what stress is stress is when you feel like you don't have the tools to deal with the task at hand that's the only time you feel stressful when you are stressed it's because you don't feel like you have the tools to cope with whatever the situation is whether at work in your personal life if if your girlfriend's getting emotional and you come from a home where you've never been exposed to exploring your emotional side, you're going to feel stressed. If your woman is a strong communicator and you come from a home where women are supposed to sit in a corner, you're going to struggle with that. It'll stress you out. Like, what's wrong with this woman putting my business out there? You know? So, but let me answer your question. Um, how adolescent men will value these girls? Um, I think it's fine. I think the Instagram baddies is fine because it's not up to men any longer to decide. And, and it's new, right? Where women can decide that I'm going to pop my booty and can't say anything about it. But ultimately, Katlego, I have to tell you an honest truth, which PC culture won't accept. Women have always been attractive to men they will be until the day we die. Um, again, if you're interested in philosophy, I'm happy. You can slide in the DMs. Perhaps you don't care about sport, but philosophy is a huge thing for me. I like to read. It, it makes me kind of a douchebag whenever I'm in conversations um, to sound like I'm smarter than I am because I'm not actually that smart, but I'll just say Schopenhauer, Arthur Schopenhauer, and people go, oh, oh my goodness, I don't know that name. He must be interesting. Anyway, so Schopenhauer um, discusses this very sort of dilemma about are we here for the proliferation of the human species um, or something else? And now he's known as the Dr. Love of philosophy, this guy, really, really interesting guy. He didn't have much success with uh, love or writing in his time. But anyway, so he proposes that there's something called the will to life, and that is your drive to purely reproduce. But because of the human ego and the size of our craniums and the size of our brains, blah, 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 our ego won't allow us to acknowledge that. So we cover it up by using terms like love and this and that. But it's actually the will to life um, and our genetic drivers to reproduce and, and proliferate the species covered up because evolution has figured out that, hmm, okay, if we allow this thing to think, it's now not going to have kids. But if we mask it, 
and drive it this way and will it kind of i mean i'm simplifying um <laughs> genetics here but we, we, let's make it look like it's your idea right and it also feels good right so genetics or, or, or uh, neurological evolution has kind of gotten to a place where it's figured out hmm if i make this thing feel good it'll do what i want which is to proliferate the species it's called the will to life now you can go and flesh out that concept if you are interested i'm happy to share these books with you it's probably why i'm such a loner in life these are the kinds of things that are on my mind i like philosophy i like reading about it i like questioning the human condition i like to try and understand the the species around me and i would say Catlego, it's not going to change um i think it that, that, that struggle is for women to decide because ultimately who are you to go and tell women that they can't be sexual and a ceo you know uh femininity it's a new thing in society so i don't want to be pc about it let me tell you the truth hot chicks are always going to move the needle dude they always have they always there there are wars that have been fought over women so it's not like a new thing really there used to be an instagram back in the day where you would marry your daughter off to someone and then oh my god look at her sister people are fighting wars over women ne- there's never been a war over a man by the way or maybe shout out jc christ or he's just jc i guess uh, yeah that, that that was a crusade and a couple of wars and, and yeah, anyway <laughs> let's not open this one up <laughs> cuz there's another guy um who did the he did the horse the white horse with the angel wings shout out muhammad couple of wars there as well so but but in truth mankind has never fought i forget put religion aside um in all seriousness over men never never has a penis moved humans to war women though <sighs> game changer game changer women move the needle and i've always argued women always have had the power it just wasn't <laughs> in law now we're starting to see it so You know what man, I'm not an enlightened person. I don't want to pretend to be enlightened. I think adolescent men will value girls the way girls have always been valued. And even more so now, the better you looking you are, the more valuable you are to society. That hasn't changed. I I don't think this is a new phenomenon and I don't think it's ever going to change. Where I think it gets interesting is relationships. That's where I think it gets interesting. Um and I know you haven't asked this. but i thought i'd touch on it is if you if you're difficult as a human right there's more i i can access more girls than ever now that's interesting because i think it's interesting how it'll affect the nucleus family like cuz now men listen guys men's careers get ruined by women mostly it's always women right it's it's always monica lewinsky <laughs> like and i do it's not her fault that he's a creeper i'm just saying when you put a bill clinton was the creeper by the way it wasn't monica lewinsky's fault to be very clear on what i'm saying there but more often than not guys are going to have imei doka having an affair with a woman like women move the needle and women are in control actually i will always say this so nothing's changed women are in charge hot chicks are just i'm sorry guys and even as a man 
muscular, good-looking dudes are more in control than you are. Um, although nerds are more important now because it's all about money for dudes, it's not the same. With hot women, they are just going to be in charge, and they are always going to be more valuable, which I don't think is actually a human philosophical um, sort of pathological thing. I think it, I think it's a genetic driving thing. So we're always going to value what looks like the best replica to move on. And I don't think that's in our control. I don't. I mean, so also cat dog, just so you know, I have done two years of genetics. So I'm not speaking as a complete layman. Um, I have done evolutionary biology. This is addressed. Uh, the thought of how a man finds a woman attractive, actually how you pick your partner has been broken down in scientific terms, no opinions. And hot chicks are always going to move, move the needle, dude. We're always going to trust them more. We're always going to want their attention because ultimately we would like to, and it's out of our power. The will to life says reproduce with her. Now it takes on a whole new dimension when we have all these options. It's interesting what it'll do to the nucleus family in a Judeo-Christian society because if my wife's been difficult now, before you kind of had to deal with it, right? In the 90s, you had to deal with it. In the noughties, you had to deal with it. Now, I'm sliding in the DMs. It's available. These, and these girls know. What's interesting is these young girls know they're in power. They know they're in charge. They are sliding. Listen, I know professional athletes, by the way. And believe it or not, there was a time, especially when I was on Cliff Central, my God, some of that stuff I would get in my DMs. But, but my thing I've decided, I delete. I delete straight away. If, they, if it's not about the show, if it's not about um, a book, as soon as, and some of the stuff, like aggressive, hey? These girls are, they are aggressive, dude. Um, so these young girls know the power, they're in charge, access to powerful men is direct now. They don't need to be, you know. So these young men need to decide what they value. Because right? it's also, women can do whatever they want. What do you value? And I would say it's important that the nucleus family gets stronger and stronger so that we can build men that are looking for what you may see as the right thing. Hot chicks are always going to get their attention. Like, forget about that. It's That's not new. There used to be prostitution in ancient Greece. So that's not new. The, 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 the being for the, like she for the streets is not new. Since time immemorial, the prostitution has been in the mix. So don't worry about the aesthetic, but I would worry about the access. Now guys have access to hot chicks in different countries, in a different city. <laughs> right? So what I would say is, if anything, whatever you espouse, it's now on you as a father to get that into your son before he turns 13 years old. And you need to be relentless. That would be my advice. I would say it's got nothing to do with the hot chicks on Instagram. They must keep doing their thing. Shout out to them. It's an avenue. People need to survive. I'm not a moralist, whatever. But if I, if I hear the question correctly, I think you're worried about the moral fiber of society that's not on the women. That's on our young men. It's on us. If you become a parent, be relentless. I've always said to people, be hard on your kids. They don't know anything else. And your kids are not your friends. 
God, I hate people who say my mom's my best friend. I, like I, when I hear that, I curl up inside and I go, oh my God, it's painful. Now, if it's said with respect later in life, maybe. But it's not your job to be your child's friend. And I'm so grateful I had a strict father and a strict mother um, that they're not your friends. So when you have children, they are not your friend. It is your job to ensure that you infuse whatever you want them to be uh, when they're 25 and in the world without you and when you die, right? And for the society to carry on. What have you implemented? What have you poured into them? Because somebody said something great to me the other day. Great families don't happen by mistake. And great children don't happen by mistake. It's not on the Instagram booty chicks. It's on us to raise better men. That, that would be my, my answer to you. Because if you raise them to just value the thick booty, that's fine, by the way. And that's not in your control. It's not in their control either. But maybe we're looking for, you know, somebody nice, kind, forgiving. Those things take a little longer. Like, cool, if you see the booty, that's cool. But is she somebody who could be a mother? Is she somebody who has the human traits? You know, we could put, this is stock standard stuff, right? Discipline, you know, brotherhood can help. Be around positive male influences early. (laughs) Uh, And I'll finish off on this one. If we don't want our kids being into the thoughts out there in the in the in the booty world we shouldn't be into thoughts in the booty world now that's hard because we were putting responsibility on ourselves it's not on the kids it's on us if you're a parent it's not on your son it's on you because it is clear in a nucleus family right sons will replicate dad's behavior because dad shows son how to treat a woman and how to be a man in whatever way you think is positive. If like I, I'm, I don't have children, but I certainly feel myself replicating my father more and more because I saw how he treated a woman. You don't raise your hand to women. And I'm not saying that to be cool. It's just didn't happen in my household. You know, even though my parents got divorced, super respectful. This is your mother, not your friend. Never allowed to say a negative word about my mom or whinge. You know, this is how you you open a door for a woman. Like these are things that I don't particularly espouse. I've got my own thoughts on it, but but it's hardwired into me, dude. Like even my father doesn't shout at women. Like it's one thing that is his rule. Like he does not shout at women at all, which might have its own problems, whatever. But he's got, he told us that rule. He does not raise his voice to women at all. His sisters, like just the thing, you know. So that's what I'd say. It's not on the booty chicks. It's on us. Who thought? Sports show. Booty chicks. What other sports shows talking about booty chicks? And, you know, the efficacy of the spirit of the most elite sport in the world. What other show? What a hell of a show this is. What a hell of a show. I hope you have the greatest week you've ever had. I genuinely hope you have the greatest week you've ever had. Ladies and gentlemen. My name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. And for now, I am the hell out of here.